Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, man? Uh, I feel terrible, Pat. You sound terrible. Thanks. Your constant support really keeps me going. <laughs> hey, what am I? Um, I'm only here for your constant support and love, Jerry. <laughs> this this air thermometer says 105. Are you are you using my rectal thermometer again? <laughs> yeah, I thought I told you to clean it, man. <laughs> it's okay though. You know the, the listeners. The listeners want to cast, so I'm here to deliver. Once this half bottle of Night Quill kicks in, we'll, we'll be good to go. <laughs> when the call abruptly ends because Jerry's passed out on his keyboard. <laughs> hey, hey. If Lil Wayne can do a three-hour concert, I can do a podcast on a little NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also on the call, we have Friend of the Pod and Miracles of Vicinato, Lawrence Harmon. What's up, man? Not much. Just uh, here to chat about, I guess, the new rules change and some of the most recent tourney results. So. Woohoo! Can't wait. Um, yeah, awesome. So uh, before we get into it, we just want to uh, thank uh, this week's sponsor, HipstersOfTheCoast.com and Cast Haven. If you want to listen to the episodes as early as possible, check out HipstersOfTheCoast.com, uh, where we post there every Friday. You can also go there for excellent content in really any format. Uh, Jerry writes over there, as well as our friends uh, Aaron and Kate. Uh, they cover everything from Commander and Cube to Legacy and Limited. When are, we, when are we going to get you writing for hipsters, Pat? Oh, well, maybe after uh, the uh, SCG Worcester, I'll start writing. I have I have an idea about um, learning how to play Bug Delver. I think I want to call it a, a, a Bug Life. But Jerry thinks we're going to get sued by Pixar, so I got to figure yeah. out how we're going to do that. <laughs> My legal counsel tells me that we can't do that. That, that shit don't fly. <laughs> Is your legal counsel just good common sense? Uh, my legal console is actually just watching reruns of Boston Legal. It's, it's is that William the one Shatner's with the dancing day. baby? <laughs> no, that's Ally McBeal. Oh, yeah, but that's I, right. I think that also sets place in Boston. Boston has a lot of lawyer-based TV shows. <laughs> you'll, you'll never find a, a, a worse hive of scum and villainy, right? What, Boston? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Um, and uh, also something that we're kind of changing, uh, shifting gears on, um, we are going to start our own Patreon page for the podcast. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Uh, you know, Jerry and I strive to bring you the best legacy content we can produce each and every week. And if you'd like to support the show, uh, Patreon allows you to pledge as little as you, as little as a dollar an episode. Uh, there's no commitment. You can set your monthly limit. You can cancel at any time. So there's a lot of flexibility uh, for listeners there. Um, the, we're going to have multiple reward tiers there, and we're going to work on adding some neat features in the future uh, with the help of you guys, our awesome listeners. So thanks. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Uh, all right, so let's get into the uh, main part of the episode here. So the first thing we want to talk about this week were the changes in split card rules. Um, for the longest time, uh, the split card rule has been a, uh, a boon to Miracles players everywhere where they can float a wear tear on top of their deck and basically lock out Blue-Red Delver. Um, and now, Delver, basically everything. Yeah, that's true. Then now, um, all it's really going to do is is just counter more of Tom Smiley's uh, True Name Nemesis. So, <laughs> don't forget Show and Tell. Oh, Show and Tell. Too. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, just real quick, uh, this was released. Uh, well, it says April fourth, which is to, which is today. Yeah, it was. It was released it today. Was, it was earlier today. It was released it was today. on Reddit yesterday, and then they did the official. Oh, okay. Mothership released today. Okay, Cause, cool. Because Reddit is the Illuminati, and they actually control everything. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> um, so now, starting with Amiket, they are they said they're going to streamline split cards a little bit. So this is all split cards, obviously, throughout the game. Um, basically, they're going to change it so that you can't 
that so that like wear tear doesn't count as a one or two uh, CMC card. It's going to count as the sum of both of those uh, casting costs. And when, when it's not Wait, in the stack. Hold on. Before what, could they use it as one, two, or three, Lawrence? Is that how it worked? It was just one or two. The way just it worked one or was, two. Um, like if your opponent cast a one drop, you could reveal the tear side. Mm-hmm. And then if they cast a true drop, you could reveal the wear side. And then where things got weird is it would count as a three if you flipped your wear tear to Bob for whatever reason. Um, right. So I, I knew that. I just, for some reason, I was trying to think if it's like, wait, does wear and tear lock out one, two, and three drops? Because that would just be absolutely broken. Okay. <laughs> like, that's Every literally shutting out this. 90% of the format. Every Miracles list would just play, like, two in the sideboard and one in the main board. Yeah, yeah. But now it's only going to count as a three-drop. Right, which is, which, it makes a lot of sense. So the only time that, like, um, tear, what is it, tear is a one-drop and wear is the two, the only time I, it's going to count as those is when it's actually on the stack. Otherwise, if it's in your hand, if it's in your graveyard, if it's exiled, if it's in your library, it's going to count the sum of the both converted mana costs on the card. Is that correct? Yep. So... I mean, it's obviously a little bit of a nerf for the countertop uh, combo, but ju- how 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 bad is it really, Lawrence? Uh, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> um, none of the none of my miracles friends care. It, I like went to go read our group chat and I saw them discussing something, and I was like, "What? Are, what are you guys talking about?" They mentioned the wear tear thing, and then we just talked about if you know whether or not Disenchant, Disenchant was a better card to run for about thirty seconds, and then started talking about like other prediction antigens or something, you know. (laughs) That's all anyone ever cares about. What's the most savage predict draw I can get? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a point where you end a game with more cards in your hand than in your deck, and it just changes your (laughs) deep level. Uh, I know Anurag has ulted Jace on himself so that he could finish the game. Oh, my God. Putting his hand into his library. <laughs> yeah, he he needed to Jace ult himself. He has just like he had more cards in his hand than his opponent had in his deck or something. I I don't That's remember a... exactly what happened, but he needed to do that <laughs> to finish the game. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I think the change itself is pretty uh, intuitive. I don't think it's gonna be a big issue for gameplay. Um, it seems like it it makes it like makes wear tear slightly worse, but not even so much where it's worth really talking about, right? Yeah, uh, this mostly just hits standard and modern. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the reason they initially did this was they're printing the new split cards, and some of the split cards have like a sorcery speed right. like effect and then an instant speed effect, and you could flash back the sorcery speed effect with the blue gear hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. could lead to weird gameplay in standard or, you know, just general feel-bads for your regular FNM player or something. I don't Right. Um, and, like, I know there was an issue with, like, Goblin Dark Dwellers being able to target some ridiculous spells in the graveyard. Um, yeah, that's so. the other that's the other kind of uh, nerf, because there was a combo with Boom Bust, where you would play the boon, Boom half of the card, and you would get the bu- Bust half for free. Or, right. you know, and so you would do a two-drop and then end up shaving six man off the cost. Yeah, the Dark Dwellers Boom Bust thing was something that was pretty hyped, but it didn't actually show up in many deck lists that did well. Right. Um, what this does kill is the like Kari Zev's expertise reanimator deck that would um, like use Kari Zev's expertise, which is a threaten effect, and then it has the whole you can free cast a spell, and it would cast breaking and entering, so it would mill itself and then cast like an Emrakul from the graveyard or what have you. So that deck is just dead now. 
Um, right. That just doesn't work. Yeah, and then there was, like, a Brain in the Jar deck. Basically, these, like, tier two-ish modern decks that saw some play, but not too much, are just gone. And I don't think anyone really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw... Uh, Seth, also known as Saffron Olive from MTG Cast, he was talking with a bunch of people on Twitter about it. And the way I think it was Julian Nab uh, phrased it was, uh, you know, your money cards are still worth money because none of them were expensive because of these tier two and tier three janky combo decks. So if you bought, you know, Grizzlebrands and Emrakuls, those Grizzlebrands and Emrakuls still have the same value. And your worthless cards are basically still worthless. So no one's really, you know, out hundreds of dollars or anything like when they ban, you know, Birthing Pod or something like that. Yeah, the uh, the Reanimator deck easily ports into, like, the Grishelbrand deck that Bob Huang and his crew came up with, and the Brain in the Jar deck easily turns into just, like, any of the blue-white X control decks in Modern. Um, you know, each deck only required an extra maybe 20 or so dollars of, you know, supplementary cards to play them, but you still have the bulk of a completely viable uh, deck shell. Right, for modern. Mm-hmm. So it, it looks like a rare instance where Wizards did something right. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like uh, the change is, is mostly a net positive, because at least from the legacy standpoint, modern might be another story. Yeah, I think weakening counterbalance is somewhat of a step in the right direction. Um, the card is obviously just absurd when it comes to legacy, and there's Ooh. just like a lot of matchups where you just balance your opponent out and that's it that that just reminded me and i want to ask you before i forget so a couple weeks ago when we had uh bob huang on uh we were talking about you know miracles and if wizards was to print a card that would be really strong against miracles kind of weaken miracles grip on the meta a little bit what type of card would they print and we didn't really have the best answer you know we couldn't really think of anything that great at the time i was wondering from your perspective lawrence as a miracles expert what would be a card that you would be terrified to see wizards print like when i was a reanimator player and they play printed containment priest i was just shaking in my boots what is the miracles equivalent of a containment priest um so I think that logic is kind of um, pretty indicative of the issue that people have when approaching like matchups against Miracles. Uh, if you think about any any format where there's like a stand like a blue white control deck, what's the best way to beat it? Some combination of like disruption, pressure, and then like different types of threats: a Planeswalker, uh, maybe some artifact or enchantment, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> the same thing applies to Miracles. So like. If my opponent goes Pithing Needle my top, I don't really care. But if my opponent goes Pithing Needle top plus Sylvan Library, that's a problem, right? Because the library is just going to get them super far ahead of me. Or if they go Null Rod plus Garouk Relentless. Um, so it's usually just like a pairing of effects. So I'm not quite sure what they could print that would actually... like. I don't think there's one singular effect that just kills Miracles. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have to think... I don't know, maybe some sort of flash creature that stops effects on your turn. Um, uh, Lawrence, you got real quiet again. Oh. Um, can you hear me better now? Yes. Yeah. I was saying maybe some sort of flash creature that could like stifle a miracle trigger or you know something of that sort, but I'm not quite sure if there's one singular 
card that could really just brick miracles, uh, except Winter Orb. That card just mm. destroys me. <laughs> I love me some Orb. There's like the there's like this vein of Delver decks, the like John Alexander Threshold decks mm-hmm. that are um, like post word they cut all their Delvers. If they're playing Death Rites, they cut those. And their creature base just becomes four Nimble Mongoose, four True Names, and then they board into three Winter Orbs. So they just have a stack of counter spells, slam Winter Orb, win the fight over it, and then just kill you with like one Shroud guy. <laughs> And you like terminus their shroud guy, they surgical terminus, and then you just lose the game. So, yeah, that's one of the better ways to combat the deck. Just winter war plus a guy that I can't interact with profitably. <laughs> right. Because miracles is a greedy, greedy deck. You're basically winter orb shutting down the uh, the sensei's top. Really limits the amount of uh, rearranging you can do. Yeah, you basically just can't. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can like every few turns to hopefully find an answer for the Winter Orb, but by that point, you know, their average draw step is going to be like a higher density of counter magic than yours. So it's even sketch whether or not you can cast your, you know, disenchant effect plus protect it. And uh, yeah, it's just not a fun time. Right. All while under the pressure of getting domed for three by a nimble mongoose or a true name nemesis. Yeah, all right. So that's that's the insider's tip: how to beat miracles, winter orb, and shroud dudes. Yeah, or just like slam Nissa or something. Um, <laughs> Nissa also pretty good. Non-blue plane, planeswalkers are hard to answer um, outside of like the one council's judgment that people may be running. Some lists just run two engineered explosives. So um, Garrick, Nissa, uh, Chandra, Torture Defiance is also really good. Just you know, things that provide card advantage and leave some sort of residual effect on the game, even if they are removed. Mm-hmm. And for the for the listeners who, who it's not obvious for, so with non-blue Planeswalkers, you're kind of looking at a way to avoid getting your, your Planeswalkers red-blasted. Jace, Jace is better than all, except when he gets blown up by a fireball from the Miracles player. Yeah, pretty much. Um, a lot of, with the increase in predicts, a lot of lists are moving over to uh, four red blasts in the sideboard to combat the Leovold decks because your deck is, uh, the core of your deck is more about drawing cards now, so you need to keep that kind of effect off the board. So Jace as a card is, while still good, it can be a little worse. There's a lot of people who even board out, you know, one or both of their Jaces in the mirror now. Um just because the dynamic of that matchup has changed a lot. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still feel I would never board out Jace against Miracles, just because just it, it's one of the best cards to... Like, I would rather a Jace over a Delver any day of the week, even with if the you, Blast. If you are a non-Miracles deck, I don't recommend boarding out Jace, because you can definitely dominate the game with him. If you are playing Miracles, shaving one is totally fine, um, just because the matchup turns more into... A like flusterstorm, red blast, don't let anything resolve type of matchup, and then somebody is able to just like either get countertop down and that's the game, or play a mentor, protect it for like a turn and then kill you. And uh, yeah, it, the dynamic of the mirror has just changed over the last few years, uh, which is good and bad in some ways. Mm-hmm. Can I get a little inside baseball on this? Because I'm really curious. Um, now that I'm, I'm playing a lot more Bug Delver, like, I felt very um, 
assured in the way that I board when I'm playing Blue Red Delver. But Bug Delver's a bit of a a bit of a different story there. So like coming out of like a like of the Bug Delver list, what are you concerned about in their sideboard? What are you not concerned about? What do you think is in their toolbox that's that's worth playing against um miracles? Um Winter Orb and Jace's post board usually. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, the early hymns can allow you to just get that early pressure and then you can play a Liliana the Veil to keep that two forms of pressure on the deck going. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, like, the Miracles players dealt with all of that, you can just slam Jace, and then, you know, it's hard to deal with all of that happening at once. Yeah. Like, uh, Malamujo has a few lists. Yeah, he's he's running more of, like, the Liliana build, and I've been on more of, like, the... It's it's kind of, like, an ag- a more aggressive build of Bug Delver, where it's running, like, del- you know, four Delver, four Deathrite, um, two Leovold, two True Names, two Goyf, um, it's got like you know strix in the sideboard for creatures, but other than that, it's basically like almost like a like a three color three color control deck, um, which has okay. been a lot of fun to play. It's got like four abrupts in the main, uh, which I really like against miracles. It's a nice card to have, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's I feel like for for me it's been like slam a threat and then just just wait and then sl- try to slam a true name at some point um, because that seems to be a little bit more difficult for for miracles to deal with on the whole than. Than a Delver or a Deathrite Shaman, or whatever. Yeah, creatures like True Name and um, Leovold are great because they force the Miracles player to use Terminus like a Swords to Plowshares, mm-hmm. and you can get them to like use two or three of their Terminus, and that lets you start committing two or three threats to the board where you otherwise wouldn't. Right. Um, other than that, like Dark Confidant's really good. Mm. Um, you know, it's a Sylvan Library that attacks for two, and. Uh, you can just drown your Miracles opponent in card advantage, which, uh, you know, in the early game, we're mostly just trying to deal with your threats, and we don't really want to have to force Lilla Dark Confidant, and then you play, like, a Liliana the Veil or a Hem, and then we're just, like, down four cards, and basically just done for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's been... I, I've really enjoyed playing Bug. It's just, uh... it's It attacks from a very different angle than, um, than Blue Red, and, like, I found that as I'm getting more and more proficient with the deck, like it, it really does play like in some matchups where you're just kind of playing the control deck for a while until you have to just move into the like the aggressive strategy and just close the game out. Yeah, with Blue Red Delver, you're much more of just like the beatdown in almost every matchup. Mm-hmm. Like your card quality is a bit lower than the fields on average, mm-hmm. and you're making that up by just lightning bolting them and then subtracting draw steps from their from the game from your opponent's side of the. Like yeah, field. Exactly. Um, but like you definitely feel like at some point when you're in Blue Red Delver, like the game is just out of out of reach for you. You know, if you're not winning by turn X, you're getting you're getting lost in the card quality of other decks. Whereas like with Bug right. Delver, like I feel like mo- your deck is live almost all the time. Um, certainly not as live as like a Miracles deck is, which I think is really just outstanding in the long game in almost every matchup. Um, but I definitely feel like this has like a lot more legs than typical like Blue Red Delver does. So it's been uh, been interesting to uh, to uh, to learn there. But um, all right. So are we good with uh, the split card ruling? I know we kind of went a little off the rails there. Yeah. What uh, are we talking about? What split cards? <laughs> yeah, I think we were just rambling how to kill mir- miracles. Yeah. <laughs> Give us your secrets. So speaking of how to kill miracles, uh, the, so the Bizarre Moxen had their Eternal Weekend in Paris this. Uh, this past week, uh, March 31st through the 2nd. Um, and uh, lo and behold, there was a Miracles Mirror in the finals. Uh, two people that actually you're familiar with, Lawrence. Um, Anders Thiessen, who uh, finished in 2nd, and uh, Thomas, uh, is it Mechin or Mechin? 
I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation. We'll I haven't say. actually spoken with him. I've just interacted with him via Facebook. Oh, uh, sure. Through like a chat that we have. Okay. Um, the uh, Miracles Cabal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Thomas took it down. Um, so the top eight was actually something pretty interesting. Um, so coming into the top eight, we actually had three uh, uh, elves decks, which is pretty interesting. Um, uh, it Jan Lenger. Uh, was running Elves. Julian Nab, uh, well-known Elves player, also on Elves. Uh, Thomas was in in third uh, after the Swiss. Um, Quinton, who was on Elves well, as well, was in fourth. Actually, uh, they did a cut to top 16. Oh, really? So, yeah, if you scroll down, you'll see the final standings. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, you'll see... I, I can't even pronounce this guy's last name. Stefan uh, Rumenil. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jan Lenger, Johannes Gutbrog, which is another Miracles player in the chat. You have mm-hmm. uh, Yulia Nob, uh, Simon Drochen, and then you have Thomas Machine, uh, Jan Levitt, Bjorn uh, Lampinen, Quentin Burgess. You just have a list of like the top 16, and that's oh. when the elimination round started. Oh, I and see. So the top eight was after they played the first the first round of... Like so, they cut the 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 top eight they have listed is after playing out the top six, like the first round of top sixteen, essentially. Right, right. Okay. Um, my understanding is the cut to top sixteen was like an X one one type of deal, so it wasn't like a you know X three squeaked into the elimination rounds. It was a very like thin margin of error there. Okay. I I really like that. I think at large tournaments that should become the new norm because if you go like X one and one or X and two, I feel you should have a shot at the uh you know the grand prize. I, I also think too that like um, when it comes to and this is uh, not obviously as a pair or as important for um, legacy, but any other format where like making the Magic Hall of Fame like counts like your number of top eights. When it really, it like, I think top 16 is probably just as strong of a metric, um, especially with how big GPs have gotten. You know what I mean? Yeah, even yeah. in smaller tournaments, like uh, last year's Eternal Weekend, um, Anurag, Bob, and I all made top 16 at X2, and the cut to top 8 was like X1 or something, X11 or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and having like a top 16 elimination thing, that would have been sweet to play in. Um, so. Plus, I, I feel. It just adds more story to the uh, to the event. You know, you, you get you, top sixteen is kind of the hallmark. I feel of a lot of like sports, like the Sweet Sixteen. March Madness is uh, winding down, but kind of maybe I just have that in my mind from uh, recent. <laughs> well, they start out with sixty four teams or like one hundred twenty eight teams or whatever. No one cares so about 64. that though. No they one, start no out with sixty four teams. No one cares until they get to sixteen. I think it's <laughs> definitely like a sweet story to tell your friends of like, oh, I squeezed in a top 16 on breakers and then crushed everyone yes. into winning the tournament. Right. Well, right. I mean, it definitely allows for more like that quote, like that Cinderella story moment. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. That's, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I, I totally get that. Um, I mean, in that sense, you could even make the cut like even bigger than that. If you really wanted to, like if you wanted to go to even up to 32 players, depending on the size of the tournament, like that'd be pretty sweet to have a like 32 players that play out the, you know, to as single basically single single elimination rounds after that would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, it would definitely lead to a lot less, like a lot fewer draws, like in the late late rounds of the tournament. I feel you know. Yeah, less yeah. chance of less chance of collusion. It also right. just feels like there's more on the line. Like 
even though like the last round or two of a GP is technically single elimination, if if you look at it that way, it still doesn't have that same weight of it being like official single elimination ride or die type thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It also removes the tiebreaker feel bad. Um, like looking at the points, you have Thomas at twenty six, who was at twenty two points, and then Callum, who was at sixteenth, is also at twenty two points. So like missing top eight by just breakers is a pretty feel bad moment, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. uh, mitigating that by doing top sixteen is pretty sweet. And you know if you miss the top sixteen by breakers, that you know that still feels really bad. But you know it's a much more justifiable uh, experience. You know, yeah. Andrea Mangucci actually got seventeenth at this tournament. He's playing Death and Taxes, if I remember correctly. Oh, Did he get seventeenth on breakers though? He was twenty one points. So, oh, so it was still a clean break to top sixteen. Yeah, it's a nice clean cut. What this must have been announced before. It wasn't like they just announced it midway through, right? So I I feel I didn't hear about it until it actually happened. I'm pretty sure they announced it before. I feel like I knew about it beforehand, or I think I heard about it midday when I was getting updates from the guys who were there. Um, someone mentioned that it was going to be a top sixteen cut. So. Hopefully we see more, you know, tournaments on this side of the pond uh, take up that dynamic. I, I think yeah. that with like uh, with Channel Fireball being able to run all the GPS, you might see some, a move like that where one TO can make a like a clean cut rule across all GPS. You know what I mean? I, that would certainly be a way for other tournament organizers like lower on the food chain to make the same change. You know, or, or even like even Watsi could probably say like at at you know, whatever, like 600 and X players or whatever, you do a cut to top 16, you know? Something where they just kind of pick a number and, and they stick to it, you know? Yeah, I think a top 16 cut could be great for pro tours. Um, I'm not exactly sure who decides where the top, like, if the top 8 cut or top 16 cut happens at a GP. Right. I'm not sure if, like, the TO decides that or if that's, like, something that's decided in Watsi chain of command. Mm-hmm. But I could totally see that being something that happens at like more bizarre Moxon events, at Eternal Weekend, like the Card Titan and um, Tales of Adventure events. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty easy for those guys to go, hey, top 16 cut, um, kind of deal. So. The, the only place I can see it being a problem is, like, right now, Watsi likes to do the, if I'm not mistaken, maybe this has changed back, but at the Pro Tour, they started doing only one match at a time once they got to top eight, so that you'd be able to have every match, the full length of it, on camera, and essentially no dead time. That was the problem, where, like, one match is, is really short, then they're trying to get, move players over to start the match under the camera, whatnot. Um, I don't know if they're still doing that, but a top 32, if you're playing them out one game at a time, is going to take a lot longer than just the top eight, so... Um, yeah, but, like, I mean, the solution to that is just do it for top eight, then. Yeah. You're still going to get the top eight, you know, right. just play the elimination rounds that sure. way. Yeah, totally. No, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think it's a, a really neat idea, and um, I, I think I'd like to see more TOs do something in that kind of in that vein. Um, but anyway, so let's get back to rounding out the top eight here. So this is after they played the top 16 Swiss. This is just the the, the final finishes, I guess, right? Or this is, no, this is after, I'm sorry, this is after... Once they got into top eight, these are the top eight after after the after the top sixteen, I guess. Who's um, the one who drank a bunch of Nyquil? Yeah. So so uh, uh, Jan Lenger was in first with Mer- with uh with elves. Uh, is it Julian or Julian? I just always assumed it was Julian, but um, I know I've heard Anders pronounce it Julian on uh, maybe stream. Maybe it's Julian. Uh, He's from yeah. Germany, so Julian, that would make a Julian. lot more sense. You know, 
I, uh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So Yulian uh, in second with Elves. Uh, Thomas Meachin was in third with Predict Miracles, which again, we've talked about it on the cast. Seems to be the settled upon best build of Miracles right now. Um, Quentin Dussault was uh, on Elves as well. He was in fourth. Uh, Aurelio Crespo uh, came in fifth. He was on Agro Loam, which is a deck uh, near and dear to Jerry's heart. Oh, yeah. Um, Thies and Anders uh, was in sixth with Predict Miracles. Uh, Jerome Girondem was on uh, Burn. He came in seventh. And rounding out the top eight uh, was Callum Brownson-Smith uh, on Dark Bant. Um, so, and going a little further down into the uh, the metagame of the tournament, we had how many players? 448, is that correct? I think that's what it was. Four, 448, yeah. Uh, did you guys see the metagame breakdown for, for the tournament? No, I saw it for Vintage, but I did not... Do oh, you have you a link s- to it? Yeah, if you scroll down here, let me send you the events page. If you scroll down this events page here, you can see um, it's just after they have the top eight profiles. Um, they have a metagame breakdown for the entire tournament, and this pie chart, for the most part, is like pretty equal among among all pieces. Um, it looks like the largest part of the piece of the pie was Bug Midrange at 10.9%, which is interesting because they had uh, the worst conversion, in the, I guess, maybe, well, maybe one of the worst conversions into the top eight. Um, uh, Miracles looks like it came in second at 8.5%, uh, followed by, it looks like, uh, Death and Taxes at 7.4%. Uh, we see Reanimator at 5.6%, but I'm not really sure if that's... If that's blue-red reanimator, red-black reanimator, or both of them, it could be both of them combined. That's pretty impressive that Miracles has a, about an 8.5% presence in the meta, mm-hmm. but converted that into a 33% top 8 presence. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious, does where is the elves on this list here? Elves with 3.3% and had 3 in the top 8, which is uh, even, even more better. impressive. That's even more impressive. <laughs> right. Um, some other things we've seen, uh, Food Griffin, which is uh, the food chain deck. I've seen that a lot online. Seems to be having a lot of, uh, a lot of success. Eldrazi Aggro still in the mix with four, you know, just under 5% there. Um, not really too much. There's a bug control list. So bug, between bug control and bug midrange, which I'm assuming bug midrange means, uh, bug delver, and bug control is more of the Liliana style build. Um, taking up a pretty significant percentage of the metagame there. Um, dark depths like turbo depths five you know just over five and a half percent so uh, a lot of neat a lot of neat um, kind of a neat breakdown there um, doesn't look like miracles was necessarily uh, the most popular deck in the tournament but certainly um, one of the ones with the best conversion rate behind elves yeah I think elves kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, which I'm surprised because m- maybe it's uh, maybe it's because and so and uh, this is very um, uh, limited amount of uh, experience with this matchup, but the bug matchup versus elves feels really bad, um, and maybe that's like because there's so much uh, like bug mid range bug control. Uh, maybe or I shouldn't say really bad. I don't want to be too hyperbolic about it, but it doesn't feel as good as say blue red blue red delver does. Because blue red delver just has a lot of burn spells to mop up their little guys, um, whereas bug like. Trying to kill a wirewood symbiote with a with an abrupt decay doesn't feel very good. Um, I think elves is just secretly one of the best Leopold decks in the format, mm. and uh, a lot of the elves players are learning how to play the miracles matchup. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can just tutor for Leopold, it can screw with the miracles player's plan. Like uh, I was watching Brian Kowal play in a um, Legacy Classic, and he green sun for Leopold. His opponent played Jace, bounced it. 
He replayed the Leovold with Cavern. His opponent bounced it with Jace. Oh he replayed God. the Leovold with Cavern. His opponent bounced it with Jace. So he just got to draw three cards off this Leovold. And, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile like, Jace is ticking down the whole time. Yeah, like he, he just killed a Jace over the course of three turns while this wow. guy just died. Man, that's um, that's really... I, I will say, like, uh, not to interrupt, but, like, Leovold has been, like, an outstanding card in almost every single game that I've played. Oh, yeah. Just really good. I remember the first time I, like, actually triggered that card. It's just like, this is why people love this. <laughs> I, was play- I was playing against Enchantress on Moto, and I played, uh... I played, uh, uh Leovold, and, like, it- once you play that, it basically shuts down the Enchantress deck. They have a very difficult time keeping up with their engine. Like, they can't keep, you know... Like they're uh, what is it? Confinement. Right, they're solitary confinement. They can't keep because they're not drawing all these cards off, playing all these enchantments. It was it was very very sweet. Oh yeah, most definitely. Leovold was a mistake. Oh no, it's it's like <laughs> it is one of my favorite cards to play, man. Or it's it certainly has quickly become one of my favorite cards to play. I think uh, I think Legacy is just a conglomerate of R and D mistakes that all balance each other out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like as much as as much as we hear a lot of complaints about miracles and like, I'm, I don't want to go again and rehash the whole like, is it too powerful thing? Um, but it does feel like the the metagame tends to balance itself out quite a bit, you know. Yeah, I think most of the decks balance each other out. Um, in regards to miracles being too good, I'll be completely honest. I get more wins off my opponent just playing poorly or not knowing how to attack the deck mm-hmm. than. Like the deck being better than theirs. Um, how, how much do you think that is? People um, like frustrated with the matchup, just playing the game to get it over with. And how much do you think of it is actually ignorance of the correct way to play? Oh, a lot of it. Um, you know, like people will like improperly is... su- people like improperly sideboard, misevaluate cards. You know, like I've had people cast slaughter games against me, and you know, after the match, I'll tell them, "Hey, that's not good," and they're like, "But I got entreat out of your deck." But then you died to Jace the Mind Sculptor, right? Right. Like, they get your Jace, and then they die to Mentor. <laughs> so it's like the classic don't bring in surgical and grindy matchups kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I think it's just people really not understanding how to attack any, like, control deck. Yeah. Uh, because the dynamics of, like, beating control decks don't change from format to format. Just, like, the specific cards may change, but the macro dynamics of the matchups don't really shift that much. Yeah, it ends up leading to some really uh I think I think you definitely must you must play a lot of salty players when you play miracles. Um somewhat usually like you'd be surprised like they're the guys who aren't too good and are still learning like the format and they're usually like hey, what did I do wrong? This mm-hmm. that and the other. And then you have the guys who are actually good and it's just an interesting match and whoever wins or loses, you both walk away just like hey, that was a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. just leave. So, um, where you run into, like, the salty guys are the guys who think they know what they're doing, but are horribly misplaying, and they don't realize it, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure I told you guys the story of, like, my last round at Eternal Weekend, where my post-word, my opponent goes, Cabal Therapy, Surgical Force, right? Really? (laughs) Yeah. uh, So, it was Grixis Delver. Um, I was trying out uh, Sam Rukas' boarding plan, where his philosophy is just, like, at some point, you just need to slam and treat on them and with force will backup because your cards are of a higher power level. So he doesn't go on the cut forest, bring in all the fluster storms plan. Um, and post board, I keep a hand of like brainstorm, force of will, something, terminus and treat lands. So it's like a very medium hand that's only keep because brainstorm. Uh, my opponent 
therapy is my force of will. Like, my turn, he pauses, and then he surgical extracts it. And, you know, game continues. Draw go for a couple turns. He plays, like, Young Pyromancer or something. I cast Rinse. He doesn't just snap to will and snap count it. Nope. He, he knew really my quiet. Lawrence, you're so far away! <laughs> um, what I was saying is I thought my opponent was going to just, like, snap counter the cantrip, because he knew my hand was pretty bad. And uh, he didn't. And then he lost, and he was very confused as to why he lost. And I asked him, why didn't you counter the brainstorm? And his answer was, well, you didn't have force of them. And he's like, <laughs> but, but I wasn't in that game, and you could have countered the one card that lets me get back in the game. And part of that is, like, a lot of people are conditioned to not counter cantrips, Mm-hmm. Um, when there are times when it's completely right to do so, if your opponent's done nothing for a few turns, and they top deck, pause for a second, and then cast bomb, yeah, just pyroblast that. opponent's <laughs> hand is just trash, you know? Or if they, like, brainstorm after, like, five, six turns of, you know, just getting, you know, beat up on. They're, like, banking on that brainstorm result, so you just counter it, and that keeps them out of the game. Hmm. That's just one of the things that people don't really do. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think um, I, uh, miracles is such like like the hmm, the edges like that that deck gets or the edges you get against that deck are can be so minimal, but also like extremely or so easy to miss, but but can be so very important to the 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 outcome of the game. You know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, part of it just comes down to sitting down and you know meeting up with your local like good miracles player and just jamming the matchup so you can learn. Like certain nuances, like um, I was playing a game online against a guy on Death and Taxes, and he kept porting me in my upkeep, even though I had top in play. And the good Death and Taxes players will port you inside your draw step, so you don't just float the mana and spend top and then actually get the filter draw. Um, and there's just like other small interactions like that that just go a long way in these matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it's it, you know, it's. There's a lot to that matchup, to the matchup for sure, um, across all the decks. So, um, all right, was there anything else we wanted to talk about with uh, with Bazaar? I mean, besides there being, you know, two miracles, three elves in the top eight, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really di- well. Actually, I mean, it's cool seeing Agrolom and Dark Bant in the top eight, and also mm-hmm. elves. <laughs> but I'm just a little disappointed that it was three elves and uh, three miracles decks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think. Uh, was it three? Yeah, three miracles, right? Yeah, yeah so We're in the top sixteen. Yeah, and it looks like um, I was just kind of mapping out the um, the matchups, and it looks like the elves decks, with the exception of the one that played against Dark Blant, Dark Bant, all got matched up against miracles in the first in their first round, which is not as great. It looks like. Um, is that right? I have to check. I don't know. I'd have to double check. But um, notably, Julian and Anders played in the Swiss, and uh, Julian won. Okay. So um. You know, Anders was pretty happy about beating Julian the second time. He's a he's a very good player. He beat he actually beat me on um in a league on Magic Online. He was on Elves, obviously, and I was playing um Bug Delver. And uh, I f- yeah, it was uh it was a beating. It was a beating in, in a game that usually I'm, I'm very used to winning. Yeah, yeah, and that's just what I like about Legacy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in Modern, you sit down and your opponent goes turn one Tron land. You know, like what your percentage is to win the match, right? Mm-hmm. But legacy, it kind of doesn't matter as long as you can just play better. If right. you understand the dynamics of a matchup, you can you can get there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I just enjoy the format. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, all right, so if we didn't want to touch anything else on uh, the Bizarre Mox, it looks like it was a uh, well-attended event. Um, the I, like, I really like the metagame breakdown. I think that's pretty neat. Um, you know, it, again, it just it didn't seem like there was one deck that was really dominant as being played way more than other decks. It was just uh, some had much better conversion rates than others. And, uh, for those wondering how Burn got to top eight, uh, he's playing three main deck Sulfuric Vortexes, which, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone beats that, right? That is a, that is a, that's, that's, that is a strategy. <laughs> yeah, he's also playing a playset of Leyline of the Void in the sideboard, which is interesting over, like, um, anything you can cast if you draw it. I like, wonder, or, yeah, I wonder, uh, is, do you think it's versus, like, the, re- I mean, obviously it's great against Reanimator, but do you think he was expecting to see a lot of, like, Snapcasters on the weekend? Um, I mean, you wouldn't board that in against Snapcaster decks. Sure. Uh, you're going to board in Exquisite Firecraft, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, the logic I could see for Leyline in the Void is if you expect specifically Black-Red Reanimator, mm-hmm. where that deck is just built to go off turn one or two. So the value of just mulliganing to your Leyline is super high because they're more likely to go like mulligan to a Chancellor of the Annex to time walk you mm-hmm. and then go off. So having a zero mana thing that you can put in play and then that just allows you to play the long game against them Hmm. and it puts them in a spot where they have to be on the sneak attack plan um because the other card stronghold's gambit is just not a card against you Mm -hmm. so um that's the logic i see for leyline um i would love to hear this guy's opinion on the matter as to why he was running leyline over something you know like crypt or surgical or you know, something castable, but uh, <laughs> hey, this guy obviously knows what he's doing. I think Burn is like quietly one of the best decks that people don't play. Um, I think if better, if like good players pick the deck up, it would build a lot of traction. Because you know, if you're walking to a field of bug decks, you just want to slam Price of Progress on, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. And you know, or if all the Miracles players are dicking around with their like ponders and predicts, you just slam an idol on it. Just like, hey, what are you going to do? Like, sure, draw two cards, idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I As far as why he chose Leyline, so, I mean, so his options are basically Leyline, Surgical Extraction, and then, like, Graph Digger's Cage, Relic of Progenitus, just because of the colors he's in. Like, yeah, Tormod's maybe, Crypt. Yeah, maybe Tormod's Crypt. So, I mean, I would say right off the bat, Graft Digger's Cage and Relic of Progenitus are out because I feel he just wants to be doing as much damage as quickly as possible. So spending turn one to deploy a cage is almost like time-walking himself. So I feel that narrows it down to basically Leyline or Surgical Extraction. And I think either one of those is probably a fine choice, but Leyline definitely has that more blanket application. Like, if I'm playing Reanimator... Surgical is okay. Like, I can fight around a surgical, even two surgicals. But having a Leyline of the Void come into play turn one, that's just miserable. Yeah, you're going to look at the hardcast Sire of Insanity, basically. Yeah, exactly. So I think think Leyline is just a better all-around card, even if it means he can only use it if it's in his opening hand. And honestly... Go ahead. uh, I think... In the matchups where you're boarding in Leyline, you don't mind mulling to five for a Leyline. Right, exactly. Because it's just going to win you the game, and mm-hmm. you're fine giving your opponent three or four extra draw steps because they're not really going to do anything. Right. 
Right, which the same cannot be said of surgical. You know, you're not mulling to surgical necessarily. Right, right. You're brainstorming to surgical. All right, so let's let's move on to to our highlights uh, from our weekend legacy. Uh, Jerry, you went down to the uh, the real estate event at Scholars, right? I did, I did. And I how did that? Yeah, I heard, I heard. Uh, how did that go? It went good. Uh, I lost round one to Eldrazi. I basically I needed to draw a single mana source within nine turns in order to win the game. Mm-hmm. What were you playing? I was playing Sneak and Show. Okay. Uh, so I was playing Sneak and Show, Sinful Sneak and Show with the Sin Prodder in the sideboard. I cut a Blood Moon and the Cataclysmic Gear Hulk for two uh, Pyroblasts. And the Pyroblasts were great. Uh, I definitely like that improvement to the sideboard. Um, but yeah, against Eldrazi, I just needed to draw a single mana source over the course of nine turns, and it just did not happen. So I got beat down with Mimics. And then, like, game two, I crushed him easily. And then game three, I show and tell in a sneak attack, and he show and tell in Ulamog. <laughs> uh, so I activate I activate Sneak Attack, put an Emrakul, attack with Emrakul, and he has seven permanents counting Ulamog. <laughs> uh, so I, I wipe out his, his uh, board. He has only Ulamog left. He's on three life after taking the Emrakul beats. Uh, and I don't draw another creature in time, and Ulamog just beats my head in. <laughs> Uh, so I think maybe show and telling in the Emrakul instead of the sneak attack is better in that situation because it sticks around Mm -hmm. Um, I still feel you know nine times out of ten if you have four mana a sneak attack a show and tell and a fatty it's better to sneak attack uh, to show and tell in the sneak attack so that you can try and win the game on the spot but in that specific situation, I think I misjudged it, and I was just being a little too greedy, wanting to go as quickly as possible. <laughs> that, that well, how often Eldrazi? are you playing around, like... Ulamog, right? One, yeah, they have, like, a one, maybe two of Ulamog that they started playing, and, you know, it's... I don't I think it's fine to not play around specifically their one-of thing that they can put in. True. Especially because they're not, like, cantripping to it, they just have to naturally draw it. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah. they search it out with Eye of Ugin, but... He, he told me after the game. Go ahead. You saying? I was just saying. He he told me after the game. He's like, yeah, I drew my seven and it had Ulamog in it, so I decided to keep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, was, that sounds like an Eldrazi player. Yeah, I was gonna say there's also a non-zero chance that they're just playing Caracas in their list. Um, I know sometimes the Eldrazi decks play that. I'm not sure if it's just the white-based Eldrazi list with like the Thalias in it. Yeah. But, um, Usually you can tell because they're they're also playing the Thalias and like the Eldrazi Displacers. But I mean, Caracas isn't really the biggest deal for Sneak and Show. Caracas is like the le- the hit card I'm least afraid of because there's so many answers for it, including just a second red source for Sneak Attack. Exactly, and I think if for whatever reason you think they're on Caracas, putting the Sneak Attack in is probably the right line to go. True. I honestly True. don't pay attention to like what the Eldrazi mana base looks like because I'm too busy just trying to not die to you know spaghetti beats. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I lost to Eldrazi round one. 
Uh, round two, I beat uh, uh, Splinter Twin. <laughs> <laughs> from from uh, I played the same player I played in the last Scholars event. He was on Splinter Twin again. Um, this time I, t- I felt annoyed that I scrubbed out of this event because I I was undefeated in all of the matches that I won, and the two matches I lost were my only losses for the day. So I was running hot and also cold at the same time. <laughs> but um, I ended up getting knocked out of the tournament by uh, Topher Stenson. Uh, we've mentioned him before. He's a pretty well-known Miracles player. Uh, he lives up in Maine, I believe. Uh, but he actually beat me with a super interesting line of play that I'm, I'm interested to get your uh, your take on this, Lawrence, because I was talking to him after the tournament, uh, and he beat me. He mulled to six, and the six he kept was like land, land, brainstorm, sensei's dividing top, double, uh, double monastery mentor. And it ended up killing me in game three. Uh, because he just put down so much pressure so quickly that I could not deal with it, even though I assembled the combo and resolved it pretty much unopposed. The way the math worked out, he was able to kill me before I could uh, I could kill him with big bad fatties. And talking to him after the matchup, he said, yeah, against these sneak attack uh, style decks, you want to just jam your monastery mentors, even if it means, you know, like sacrificing some counter magic, not having, not, you know, keeping monastery mentor hands, even if they're not the strongest in the counter war department. Yeah, um, I think I play the, like, show and tell matchups a bit differently. I'm not as fond of mentor. Um, I've only recently started bringing it in in those matchups again, uh, mostly just because I have the space. I was. When I had clicks, I preferred to just play a draw-go game and apply pressure with, like, clicks and snapcaster mages while building up a counter wall. Um, the turn three slam mentor plan is perfectly fine as well. Uh, I think it just mostly comes down to what read you have on your opponent's hand, whether or not you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I found the just, like, tapping out for a mentor plan doesn't work as well, and I tend to want to play mentor more on, like, turn six or so. Um but the dynamic that I've normally like played out with, or the play pattern that's most common uh, in my matches, has been like draw go for a couple turns. There's usually one huge counter war over like one of your payoff spells, and then after that, I just start jamming my threats. Or you know, I may like turn three or turn four, slam a counterbalance, expecting it to get countered. Just like use it as a duress, because it's kind of like not that important of a spell in the matchup. Yeah, I I pretty much never fight over the counterbalance in that matchup because even if you're like it's going to be very difficult for you to counter my 3 and 4 drops. You basically have to have, you know, wear and tear mentor or jace on top. Yeah. It's a lot um, of, mm-hmm. it's, balance is mostly just there to snipe cantrips and right you from exactly. Um, right. But jace kind of does the same thing. So I don't know, I'm, I'm more willing to play a passive game plan against the show-and-tell decks, and I just kind of don't care if I lose to Besiju. Um, like, some show-and-tell lists play it, some don't. The Omni-Show lists play it, but it's pretty easy to beat Besiju out of Omni-Show. Um, it's it's actually kind of a fun line to take. You have to show-and-tell in, like, a Snapcaster or a, or a Click, and with a trigger on the stack, Pyroblaster, Wear Tear, the Omniscience, and then counter everything they cast in response to that, like the thing that blows up omniscience and you should be fine. Yeah. So just let show and tell resolve and then fight over what it, what it puts into play. 
pretty much. Um, but yeah, the turn three slam mentor line is fine. If that's what your hand is set up to do, then I think that's the way to go. And I was I was just very surprised because like turn three slam a threat is the last thing I would expect out of my control opponents. Right, right, and uh, that's why mentor is just a just an ignorant card. Um, <laughs> the card's just like a horrible design mistake. It's you know just being able to like morph into this beatdown deck post board where you just throw cards at your opponent. You know, like your Chalice of the Void matchup should be theoretically bad. But with Mentor, you just play it, and you're just like, yeah, I'll just jam every one drop I have into Chalice, and you're just dead. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you remember the triggers. <laughs> yeah. I'll even remind you. Let's let's just go. <laughs> let's get this over with, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess that's that's another thing you have to keep in mind when playing against the Miracles deck. Sometimes it just don't give a fuck and slams aggro, <laughs> aggro beats. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like a... The, like, what a lot of people are doing now are just using Mentor as a way to keep their opponents honest. Um, you know, a lot of people board out all of the removal or what have you, and then you just do the turn three Mentor check. Do you have it? No? Then I win. Yes? All right. Well, I'll just predict. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, anything else uh, significant, Jerry, from the, uh, the Scholars Tournament? Uh, I mean, just thought it was, like, an awesomely run tournament. Uh, you know, Judge Gill always does a really good job. Uh, oh, I guess, so they had a little bit of a low turnout. Uh, it was snowing that day. Uh, also, the uh, SCG Worcester is the next weekend, so I was talking to a bunch of people who said, you know, they couldn't really swing both, you know, their their wife or girlfriend or whatever, uh, or their, you know, significant other uh, wouldn't, wouldn't let them, uh, you know, go to both weekends. I heard quite a few, few people talk about. Um, and talking to the owner and, and Gil, the judge, you know, they, they knew that. They, they definitely recognized that this was not the most ideal weekend to have a tournament, but it was also basically this or nothing. Because, you know, next weekend is SCG, uh, weekend after that is Easter, uh, and then, like, the weekend after that is, like, the Pro Tour. So, they just realized that, you know, this is the only weekend that we can do it, and we know we're going to get uh, some low turnout, but we're okay with that. You know, they, they didn't lose money on the event, which is definitely a good thing. They still made money, and they're definitely looking to run more events in the future. In fact, they asked, you know... Should we run? Should we be running this monthly? Should we be running this bi-monthly every six weeks? What What do you guys want? So, they're definitely still interested in legacy, e- even with the lower than average turnout. They weren't deterred at all, which I thought was was great to hear. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's I'm surprised. That, I'm surprised that they wouldn't just run it the same week as the pro tour. I, generally, like the really like ingrained yeah. legacy community doesn't care that much about watching the pro tour, and um. Even if they do, they're willing to, like, sacrifice the Saturday of the Pro Tour just to watch the top eight, you know? Like, I don't right. watch all of the Pro Tour. I'll watch the top eight because it's still just, like, very high-quality magic. But, you know, otherwise, it's, you know, I'm willing to do something else. Yeah, most Legacy players don't really care about the Pro Tour. So, I think that would have been fine. But, you know, they're, they're still going to keep it up. So, hopefully... I I said I would do it weekly, but I said realistically they should probably look to do it, you know, every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still gotta get up there. I haven't got a chance to get up to that store yet, but I've heard, it's an awesome store. I've heard awesome and, things. Yeah, and I've heard Gil runs a really good tournament too. 
Yeah, and also what I really like that they do is, so top eight was dual lands, but you could also uh, take the equivalent in store credit. Yeah, so awesome. even if you have the dual lands they were giving out, you could get something else, and their store credit is definitely worth it. Like, you know how you go to some stores, and it's like, yeah, we got store credits. You get your choice between standard packs or sleeves. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, this, the, the, what I hate yeah. the most are the stores like um, – there's one store up in uh, in Westboro, I think it is, that does like you can you'll do say a Modern Masters draft. They were doing Modern Masters draft when it came out, and Modern Masters draft was like thirty five bucks to play, which is like fine, whatever. But it pays out in standard packs, and then you have to if you want to get Modern Masters packs as prizes during your Modern Masters draft, you have to trade them uh, three standard packs for one Modern Masters pack. Oh, jeez, yeah, fucking brutal, man. Like. Oh man, like it, it just doesn't add up to me. You know what I mean? Like, if you know, if your margins are essentially the same on your your premium product, why are you like making? You know what I mean? Why are you pushing standard packs during a Modern Masters event? You know what I mean? I know, right? That's bullshit. Anyway, yeah, I'm kind of spoiled in my area. Um, all of our stores pay out by record at like FNM. So if you go like 301, you're getting like 30 bucks in credit. Nice. And then you can just use the credit on whatever they have in stock, they don't really limit that. Yeah, that's how Gaming Etc. runs it, which I really like. Uh, but, oh, what I was saying, though, is Scholars is not like those doors. They're, they have they had a, basically almost anything you could want. Uh, they, I, I was real tempted to get a second Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> For what? <laughs> to go with the moat. <laughs> Jerry has all these incredibly expensive, essentially unplayable cards. Good no, job, no, they're not unplayable. I said essentially yeah. unplayable. <laughs> like, <he> barely. Are you going to show and tell your chains? Like, <laughs> <laughs> If I have to. Show and tell moat. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, whatever, man. Yeah. Don't don't judge me. Right. I did get locked out by an Instaric Bridge, which is kind of like a moat, and Good. that was real annoying. Good. But... It, it felt great. I had Pyroblast, and my opponent had me dead to rights because I used uh, Ashen Rider early on in the game. I was playing against Grindstone, okay, uh, Painter Servant Grindstone, and I used Ashen Rider early in the game in order to get rid of a Painter Servant. And then he slammed, uh, he slammed at Staring Bridge. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should just scoop. I don't actually have a way to beat Ensnaring Bridge because I boarded out my Jaces. Right. Uh, and I didn't bring the Sin Prodders in in that particular matchup. Oh, and... you're not deck yet? No, nah, not yet. Not yet, almost. <laughs> that target was, uh, giving me, was giving me shit for not being decking up. So maybe I'll funny. make it. But, um, yeah, so I boarded out my Jaces. So I literally did not have a way to beat Ensnaring Bridge. And we were just doing draw-go. <laughs> And I still played it out because it was game two and I had one game one, even though we had like 30 minutes left on the clock. So I'm just like, all right, I'm going to make him beat me. He, you he didn't go to... for the tactical scoop? <laughs> no, nah, man. Oh, man. I'm a big fan of the tactical scoop. He was playing, he was playing Pleater Servant Grindstone. I'm like, as soon as he gets it, he's going to kill me. I at least want to see, you know, what, what else is in his deck. What, what, did he, what did he board in? What spice does he have? They're going to have Jaya Ballard and then some four-mana Chandra that you've never played against. Yep. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> but finally, he plays Painter Servant, names blue, turns everything blue, goes to activate uh, 
goes to activate grindstone and I I think I forget what it is. I think I just countered the grindstone so you couldn't activate it. But he's still a painter servant on blue and I'm just like, Oh yeah, my pyroblasts are live now. What was that? Usually like painter's servant players like name green, black or white. That's what I was gonna say. Like why that that seems like a huge misplay by him. He's just like he gave you the only out you had in that game. He just gave it to right. you. I think he wanted his own pyroblast to be live, which yeah, is but he was going to kill you then. So why does it matter? Yeah, uh, don't ask me. I'm just happy he did it so I could pyroblast the ensnaring bridge, counter his combo piece, and then swing in for the win. Because at this point, <laughs> at this point, I had Emmercool, Grizzlebrand, and Ashen Rider just lined up side by side, like chomping at the bits, just waiting to swing in. <laughs> yeah. See. Playing Miracles, I'm a big fan of the tactical scoop, or I'm also a big fan of my opponent's scooping earlier. Um, like, there have been multiple games where I'm sitting there with Countertop Jace and I just can't find a way to kill my opponent, but they're dead. They're not resolving anything else. I have seven cards in hand. They're, they're just dead, but they don't scoop it up. And then, like, game one goes on for 30 minutes because I can't find a way to kill them mm-hmm. because I have to, like, keep Countertop Lock going because I can't let them back into the game. And, uh... Yeah, and those are the guys who get 101'd, and they don't get to piss in between rounds, and I really don't care if I do. <laughs> I had my bladder removed. I don't care. Hey, I just have the catheter, you know, just pop <laughs> oh, it in there. TMI, man. TMI. <laughs> uh, the real dedication of Miracles players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's how that works, you know. We feed on the suffering. <laughs> Our own suffering included. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I played a little bit this week. I, I did a, a run through the Legacy League, and then run th- I, I did a run through the Community Legacy League, and then a run through the regular Legacy League. And uh, I went 1-3 in the Community Legacy League on Blue-Red, which is... That, that environment has just become very toxic for the Blue-Red Delver list. But I did get blown up by Miracles, like, uh, blind-flipping... Terminus to my fire blast, which was like fucking brutal. <laughs> um, there, there's like I'll I'll have to get the clip. There was like a 30 second like clip of me like getting him blind flipping like two of my cards in a row. It was just it was fucking it was funny, but it was brutal. Um, but then I ended up taking a bug delver through the uh, through the legacy league online. Uh, Aaron actually streamed it with me, and uh, we went three two. Um, had a pretty good showing, actually. Played against, uh, I'm trying to remember what we played against. I think it was, like, we played Miracles, we played against Agro, let me see. So we played against Allure in round one, and that matchup is kind of rough, um, unless you have a really fast clock on them. It's a little tough, especially with Baleful Strix, like, it doesn't, you kind of want to save your, um, Abrupt Decays for more important targets, uh, and Baleful Strix doesn't feel like one of them. Um, and then, so we lost to them in two games, um... Played against uh, Mono Red Stompy in round two um, and just got Blood Mooned out of the game. Like, game one was turn one Magus, so it's like, all right, good games. I can't do anything against that. Um, and then game two was like a win, like easy win off True Name. And then game three, he just was again like, um, I, I think I, when I saw his hand, it was like Blood Moon, Bridge Bridge, Chalice Mountain. And uh, that was just, he had a lot of gas in that hand. It was hard to beat him um, from that. Um, and then round three, played Sneaker Show, beat them in two games. That was a, a pretty uh, fun matchup. I actually sent you a screenshot, Jerry, on Twitter of the uh, when I thought seized them, and I uh, felt like we took the right the right stuff there. Um, 
played against Maverick in round four, beat them 2-0, and then uh, played against Agrolome in the fifth round and, and beat them in uh, in three games. So um, I've, I've been really enjoying Bug Delver uh, quite a bit. I'll probably stream it again a few times this week, um, and uh, maybe get uh, maybe Jerry or Aaron on to uh, to stream with me, and or, or even Lawrence if you got if you're around. Um, really enjoying playing the deck and, uh, and get some some reps in with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not the best Delver pilot. I've generally played more of like miracles and random loam decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely come in to cool. I mean, chat. I'll, I'll stream with you, Pat. But uh, we're not we're not ever flipping a Delver. I just want to warn you. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't flip Delvers. Uh, oh no, no. Delvers are hard. You pitch to force a well, man. Like, yeah. I realized I was really bad at modern Grixis Delver when after every game one they ended up in my sideboard and I just turned into Grixis Control. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But it was a, it was uh, enjoyable. So I'm, I'm liking the deck a little bit. Have you guys uh, noticed an uptick in like a learn and food chain floating around? Yes, very much so. Very in fact, I'm so. putting together food chain and a learn for two friends for SCG Worcester. Yeah, one of my buddies, uh, he was screwing around with like the Malamujo bug list, and we were playing games, and he just felt like the list was too threat light. So he like threw a few bobs in the list, and he was liking it for a bit, and then he decided to just try out a learn. So I've been getting reps in against that deck, and. Uh, <laughs> I played against Food Chain not too long ago, and both decks kind of play out the same way. There's just, like, random cards that you have to counter. Like, um, yeah. I, like, Cavern Harpy is kind of just a card you just counter. Just never let them get, like, the blink value out of their threat. Oh, man. Cavern Harpy is, like, uh, killing Cavern Harpy on the stack is pretty much the only way to do it. Just the pay one life, return those cards to your hand is just one of the most busted abilities on a creature. Yeah, it is brutal. Yeah, like... Um, like I, I'm kind of getting back into the swing of testing miracles for various tournaments because I had like a string of modern tournaments that I was playing in, unfortunately. And um, I came back and my buddy was like, "Yeah, play four red blasts." And I'm like, why? It's just like everybody's damning bug decks. <laughs> and then I played against a bug deck and it was like, "Oh my god, four red blasts is great." <laughs> yeah, that's why I added it to my sideboard. I was just so sick of all these freaking bug decks all over the place. Oh yeah, just like. Just being able to cleanly answer a Leovold without the feel bad, like letting it resolve moment. Or yeah, you know, I I played against Shardless with like a three predict four red blast list, and it just wasn't a game. Um, <laughs> like I just plowed into him. Yeah. So what about you, Lawrence? You, did you play any uh, Legacy this week? Uh, I didn't play any Legacy this week, but I have Legacy coming up the next few weeks. Um, this weekend, some friends and I are getting together to do like this underground drunk tournament. We're playing like three rounds of modern, three rounds of legacy, and the top eight's going to be cube draft. It's basically a drunk invitational. Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Nice. Yeah. And after uh, the after the cube draft, there's also a fight club. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Got a knife fight it out, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Louisville's coming up, and uh, sometime in between now and then, one of the shops in Cincinnati is doing the like same team format modern legacy standard so i'll be playing in that with some friends to get a feel for how that plays out nice so should be interesting sounds cool is uh louisville's the one that's modern standard uh legacy yeah it's uh it's the team constructed format so nice uh, should be fun you know i i'm teaming with some guys i like one of my friends is you know he's being a real homie and 
playing standard for the team and (laughs) i was gonna say that it's like i wonder if like new friendships emerge from these tournaments because you just see legacy players just grabbing standard players by the scruff of the neck and be like you come with me (laughs) oh yeah i I played in a standard pptq last week or the week before last and i've never been so happy to lose my winning into top eight (laughs) that format is so miserable Every match was either I curved out on my opponent or they curved out on me, and there wasn't an in-between. I made almost no decisions. It was just like, which two-drop do I play? And that was just it for the rest of the game. Like, everything's just decided for you. Whoever draws better, it was just... It was horrible. Yeah. That does not sound ideal. <laughs> um, all right, Jerry, you want to get into some, uh, some, some scoops? We're getting a little long in the cast here tonight. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, we need to ask the real... Hard-hitting questions, Pat. Uh-oh. When is Leaving a Legacy getting cat-sized t-shirts? <laughs> no, Lawrence, we're not getting cat-sized t-shirts. You also just significantly ruined your street cred for uh, my next question, which is, what's the best trap music, Lawrence? <laughs> I don't even really like trap music. <laughs> you gave me so much shit! You're like, you, you, you're fake, man. You don't, you don't like trap music. You, you don't know who Fetty Wap is. And here you are saying that you don't even listen to trap music. I mean, Fetty Wap isn't trap music. Yeah, I mean, no, but yeah, come on. Trap <laughs> music is more entertaining than trap yeah. music. I mean, yeah. if you want that real hard-hitting gut of shit, you know, you want to listen to the guys who have actually, like, killed people. <laughs> You need verified murderers in your trap music <laughs> tracks. It's like exactly. Lewis. Uh, fight music. What was that song you posted? Oh, Nuck If You Buck? Yeah, oh, Nuck If You oh Buck. Oh my god. Hell yeah. Nuck If You Buck was like the early 2000s original fight song. I have seen so many people get stomped out at middle school. <laughs> it is insane. Uh, someone someone put it. It was like the uh, the cha cha slide of fight music. Yeah, I think it was Brian Koval. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, oh man. Yeah, it, it's insane. Uh, Knock a few butt comes on, and somebody has to die. That's basically. <laughs> it's like a Dothraki wedding. <laughs> yeah. I really wish I was joking. Oh man. Oh man. All right. Um, all right. Well, Jerry, if they want to get a hold of you, you can find Jerry at JMEE3RD. Uh, you can find me at Pat Uglow on Twitter, twitch.tv slash Pat Uglow. You can find the cast, uh, facebook.com slash group slash Leaving a Legacy MTG, I believe, or just search for Leaving a Legacy. Uh, Lawrence, if someone wants to find you, where can they find you, man? Uh, easiest way is probably just the Leaving a Legacy page. Um, but I'm also on Twitter at Lawrence Harmon, L-A-W-R-N-C-E-H-A-R-M-O-N. Awesome. Um, and uh, Jerry, you got any scoops this week? I do. Uh, well, first of all, I want to scoop Lawrence. Always a pleasure having you on, buddy. This is your your third appearance, I believe? I believe so. Yeah, our, our resident miracles expert. Thanks, man, for coming on. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Uh, also want to scoop in the only one and only Curtis, uh, our friendly enchantress player. He gave oh, me the, the scoop. Man? What's that? The garbage man? The garbage man, Curtis, yes. Because <laughs> he takes out the trash. <laughs> but uh, he gave me the info scoop earlier today that Newberry Comics was doing buy one, get one free on all magic packs. That's awesome. So I uh, I 
stopped in after work. I luckily passed by a Newberry Comics on my way home, and I popped in there and just cleaned them out of Modern Masters, Eternal Masters, and they even had a single lonely Modern Masters 2015 in the cardboard uh, package. <laughs> Good God. So, so I basically uh, I got a rip them open yet, or are you gonna? Not yet. They just stay. They're in a pile, just staring at me right now. We we can do we can do a pack one pick one actually with this uh this Modern Masters 2015 pack I got here. Oh yeah, it'd be awesome. Which one was 2015? That was the second one, right? It was the one that came in the cardboard packaging. <laughs> okay, yeah, that draft format was sweet. Yeah, it was a sweet draft format. It was but uh, definitely yeah. better than the current. one. Hell yeah. Uh, but Curtis gave me the the scoop on the sale, so definitely need to scoop him in because I basically got the equivalent of a boosters ba- booster box of Modern Masters for $150, yeah, which is pretty, pretty good. Baller. It's a pretty good price. Pretty good oh, price. Yeah. All right. So real quick, pack one, pick one. We got a wolf token. I'm going to definitely first pick the wolf token. Do we give we the got, rare? To, do we give the rare to one of our Patreon supporters? Uh, let me see what the rare is. <laughs> That's not how it works, Sherry. <laughs> no oh, commitment. Spoken like a fucking miser, man. Oh my oh god. My god. <laughs> I work in finance. <laughs> yeah, you sleep on a bed of money. You're an asshole, Jerry. You're a real asshole. I'm an asshole because I'm not. <laughs> sure. That's the best part, Pat. He didn't buy the packs because he wanted to open them. He bought them because his mattress was going a little flat. And he <laughs> yeah, man, it was too hard. He needed to shift a little, little bills around. All these Tarmogoyfs I sleep on are getting a little, little, little crunchy. Got to get some more in there. <laughs> got to crumple them up, fluff them out a bit. <laughs> all right, all right. We got Blood Ogre, which is two and a red for a two-two Bloodthirst one with first strike. Ooh, Nameless Inversion. Love this card. That's oh, yeah. the one in the black instant. Changeling, it's every creature type. Target creature gets plus three, minus three, and loses all creature types. Steady Progress, that's the proliferate card that also draws a card for two and a blue. Conclave ph- Phalanx, wow, this is going to be hard to say with a cold. <laughs> uh, four and a white for two, four, Convoke. When it comes into play, game one life for each creature you control. I remember this card actually being pretty good in the uh, the draft format. You could just gain a shit ton of life. Yeah, the, Maybe the green-white uh, and green-black tokens decks were really good in Affinity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would just get this card and, like, Worm Harvest. Oh, yeah. And then you just get dumpstered by the guy who drafted Savage Twister and Ulamox Crusher. <laughs> good times, man. Good times. Good times had by all. Uh, Plague, Rusalka, one black for a 1-1. One, one. Sack a creature for one black. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until on turn. Yeah. Narcolepsy, one in blue. At the beginning of each upkeep, enchant creature, enchant creature does, if it's untapped, tap it. Solid removal. Blades of Velis Vel, Changeling for one and a red, Tribal Instant. Up to two target creatures, each get plus two, plus zero in game, all creature types until end of turn. Thung Tongue Talid, one green for a one one. When it dies, put a one one green sapling creature token. Little, uh, What's the name of that card from Innistrad? Doom Traveler or something like that? Yeah. Uh, Rusted Relic for Metalcraft. You get it becomes a five-five creature as long as you control three or more artifacts. That's kind of boring. Good old kite sail. Two for an artifact. Equip creature gets plus one plus zero in flying. Equip crash. Equip cost of two. Blah. Flash freeze one in a blue. Camera target red or green spell. Bleh. 
Orzov, but Basilica, that's the uh, white-black bounce lands. Got fl- Flat Claster, I don't even know how to say that, Flax cl- Caster Frogling. <laughs> one oh, of the, the, the Graph Frog guy. Yeah, Graph Frog. Ooh, actually, this one's misprinted. It's uh, missing a bunch of colors. That's cool. Oh, cool. Uh, one green blue for zero zero graph three, which remind me, uh, graph is such a weird keyword. I was not playing when that this was played. Were you? Uh, I started playing right around the back end of like tenth edition, but I like drafted a bunch of Ravnica and like bought Ravnica packs. Uh, basically, the creature comes into play with like some amount of one one counters, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you can move a counter from like, the creature with Graft over to one of the other creatures. And, like, blue-green Graft was an archetype in this draft format. Mm-hmm. And I believe Frog was one of the higher picks for that archetype. And then there was, like, um, there's something else that I can't quite recall at this time. Um, yeah, pretty weird ability. Still not as confusing as Haunt for most players. Yeah, Haunt is a really weird ability. But uh, Graft is cool. I like the new Simic ability they gave in return to Ravnica where it just gets a plus one plus one counter whenever you play a bigger creature evolution I think it was called yeah that was definitely a much more intuitive ability yeah but this card's still good you know it's still three for a three three and then it has pay two target creature with a plus one plus one counter on it gains shroud until end of turn so you can basically make it uh untargetable for a turn for two which is pretty good uh, but I think we're probably just going to take the rare. Okay, Pat, we can we can give it to the Patreon listener. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a Battle Grace Angel. Three white-white for a 4-4 four, four flying with Exalted. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gains lifelink until end of turn. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're just that's windmill probably, slamming this, right? Yeah, that's yeah. probably the pick. You just play, like, Affinity with that. Um... The other picks were like the nameless inversion. Uh, yeah, pretty premium removal. The Orzhov Basilica is good in the five color ramp deck, but it's not one of the premium duels. You want the green based ones, and the the Plax Cluster Frog is fine in the Graph deck, but I think the Graph deck was pretty weak compared to the other shells. Um, yeah, you kind of needed everything to go right to get in that shell, whereas the like tokens decks you could just get a few of the token producers like the Eldrazi Scion making guys and you'd be fine yeah all right so kind of disappointing when the rare is just a bomb limited rare that you will slam but other than the rare plax caster frogling and uh nameless inversion yeah I, cool. I particularly enjoy like looking at a pack for limited and taking the uncommon over the rare yeah i mean oftentimes that's also the right choice there are a lot of times oh, yeah. people just grab rares and they are just not good <laughs> Yeah. At least from a limited standpoint. Yeah, you just usually snap off some like random uncommon removal spell and uh, just go from there. Yeah, those those money uncommons, that's where it's at. <laughs> All right, Pat, we, we sidetracked. That was some pretty yeah, long Yeah, thanks speech. for doing that in the middle of scoops, Cherry. <laughs> yeah, it's really going to make editing this a fucking pleasure. <laughs> no, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. I'm going to at this point. So uh, how about those Amonkhet spoilers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> um, all right, so let's scoop an Aaron uh, for streaming with me on uh, on Friday. We had a, or Saturday rather, I think it was Saturday. Anyway, had a real good time. We had a lot of people watching the stream. I think it was the most uh, viewers we've had so far. So uh, really appreciate everyone coming in, and hanging out. 
Um, uh, anyone you want to scoop in this week, uh, Lawrence? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll scoop in Team Miracle's chat, the four guys from the thread who top 16 Eternal Weekend, Callum, uh, Johannes, Thomas, and uh, Anders. And then uh, I'd like to scoop my buddy Ken for, you know, being the real MVP of my team for Louisville <laughs> and playing standard. You know, he is the... He's the real homie. Yeah, I think one for the team, man. Not everyone is willing to to be the standard seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather not play. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> do you have a, you have a yeah. die you want to roll, buddy? I do. I do. Here it is. I got it. Woo, I am never doing a cast of NyQuil again. <laughs> Reminds you of your trap days when you used to sit around <laughs> with the homies. Someone put Trap Queen by Fetty Wap on there. I think it was like Joe Blackman, and I was never more happier to see a song get listed up there. <laughs> I've done that before myself, just for funds. You just played it? I haven't listened. I yeah, of course listened. you don't listen, Jerry. You don't do you. All you do is come on the cast, and that's it. I'm the talent. I'm the talent. You, you, you retweet our links. That's about all you do. Come on, give me a number, man. Our guy. I'm, I'm the one who organized this hipsters deal. I, I got C-suite executive decisions to make, Pat, and you're not Jeez. respecting my contributions. Look, just let the man enjoy his cough syrup and Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, I got a 14. 14. Trap Queen? Is it Trap Queen? It's uh, Dealing With It. D-R-I. I don't know what song this is. Let's see. Dealing with it. If it's not good, I'm going to veto it, just so we know. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> you mean the same way you can't decide if the rare is going to a Patreon listener? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like playing Flip or Rip and yeah, looking I, at all the cards first. I want to know how I'm a scumbag for vetoing Pat giving away my belongings. <laughs> it's like, it's right, Watch Master's 15 pack. Come on. Next come on, episode, need, our, our, look, come on, Pascal, you don't need that goif that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, all I see, I don't see uh, a song in here. You might need to relist that one because I don't see it on here. Roll again, Jerry. Well, it's an entire album, so I'm guessing he wants us to play <laughs> the entire album. Oh, really? Uh, it's a 30-minute album. I don't think we're going to play all of it. No, no, we're not going to play any of it. Do next one. <laughs> wow, who is it? We Apologize, Pat. No. Say, Bad say, choice. Pick a better one. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. This, Pat's views do not represent legacy as a whole. My legal counsel <laughs> wants me to say. <laughs> Pick another one. Seven. Seven. All right. That's easier to count to as well. Uh, Vince Staples, North North. I love it. <laughs> I think I'm also going to add the crazy white lady rant at the end. Oh, please do. <laughs> Jerry, do you know what he's talking about? No, no. Vince Staples is a L.A. rapper, I believe, who uh, grew up in gang territory. So he raps about his experience interacting with gangs, and I think he was a gang member or something. You know, so uh, one of his songs got radio play, and some, like, conservative mother heard the lyrics and it's lost amazing. her shit. It's amazing. <laughs> She's yeah, like she crying. Doesn't... She was like crying on on the, you know, it's it's some it's some woman who it, it it doesn't even matter if it was a woman or a guy. It's just someone who thinks like their opinion and their sensibilities Morning. have been have Do been violated. She just doesn't understand the struggle of a black man in gang territory. Obviously, <laughs> this sounds like trap music, so I'm getting behind it. I don't uh, think it's <laughs> the my favorite quote about Vince Staples was from Earl Sweatshirt, where he said, uh, 
Vince Staples likes to be the villain on your record. He likes to come on and just embarrass you lyrically and leave. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say, what was his name? What, something Sweatshirt? Earl Sweatshirt. He was Earl part of Odd Future. Okay. Uh, like, his first record dropped when he was, like, 14, and then his mom was like, you can't hang out with that Tyler guy, and sent him to Africa. <laughs> and um, and there was, like, this whole Free Earl thing, and yeah, they were basically the weird black kids uh, who skated and rapped about, like, not PC topics. Um, sorry, my cat <laughs> is getting in my room. <laughs> Your cat really likes that song, that's why. That's all. Yeah, that's all yeah. Um, but yeah, check them out. Odd Future is pretty cool. I'll send you some links. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Vince Staples is great. The song is great. Legacy is great. Not as, not as great as leaving a legacy cat sized t-shirt. <laughs> Just saying. I, Lawrence, I asked for it and I, I got on the phone, the horn as we call it in the finance world, with the, uh, with the CEO of Teespring and I'm like, listen man, we got a high demand for cat-sized t-shirts. What can you do for us? Do they actually have baby sizes? Apparently cats can fit baby sizes. No, I don't I did not I don't think they have any baby sized t shirts. This has been a running joke for so long that I will actually buy a baby sized t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you come to the next GP with your cat in a leaving a legacy sized t shirt. <laughs> If my cats wouldn't freak out, they, I probably would have brought them to a team right now. You, you don't even know. Uh, I'll, I'll get on the horn with the CEO of Teespring again and see what we can do. Like, could you imagine that? Just, like, entreat the angels for four and just, like, eh, I only have this, and just plop a cat on the table. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very entertaining. This is my Merit Lace token. Its name De- is Merit. <laughs> Declay attack. Declare attackers and just shine a laser on my opponent's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> get DQ'd round one, but it's totally worth it. <laughs> as long as you get, as long as you scream worth as you're being dragged out of the venue hall, it's it's good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. All right, Pat, play us out with some sweet, sweet Vince. All right, we will. We will. <laughs> Bitch, you thirsty, please grab Sprite My crib's lurking, don't die tonight I just wanna dance with you, baby Just don't move too fast, I'm too crazy Man, down, down the have it, get shady Take a nigga mind off that We can dip, fuck, in the whip, slide right back In the function, one wrong word, start busting Put that on my Yankee hat I'm a gangster crib, fuck gangster rap Where the ladies at, where the hoes, where the bitches Every real nigga know the difference Bandana brown like a dope daddy Shooting in the kitchen room, north side Nigga never went to pilot, what's nigga Brio? Cocaine, color of a Creole T-scrap, moving for the D-low, we know I never ran from nothing but the police I never ran from nothing but the police. I ain't never ran from nothing but the police. From the city where the skinny kept strong, heat north side Long Beach. North side Long Beach, hit the counter, make a dollar flip it. Split the dollars with my mama children. Folks need Porsches, hoes need abortions. I just need your light of my business. Never no problem playing, no bitches. Never no problem spraying, no witnesses. No face, no case, been with the shit. Hopped out, broad day, didn't empty clips. Cut class, cause it wasn't about cash. School wasn't no fun, couldn't bring my gun. No chains gon' come like Obama. Say, but they shootin' every day around my mom and them way So we put an AK with Keanu and them stay And that's for any nigga say he got a problem with me How I'm crippin' while I'm livin', come and follow me Pistol poppin' poppy street I ain't never ran from
cause the niggas like me Police still scared cause the niggas like me In the hood like a dollar sweet tea Or a Louis Burger, you ain't with the business nigga Who you murder, you ain't heard of coach Ain't best stack, smoking out the city Riding around with the same shotgun and shot Ricky Little nigga shit is zigzag, didn't got your back wet Now he running north side, niggas better fact check Front with the gun talk, I ain't heard a clap yet All my niggas first street, they the nigga best yet Set for little half time, bro, they bang five blocks So I hit you on me five times, better grab y'all did it Away with it out the Civic, we crippin' Long Beach City, pay a visit Park Ramon, the pop black, the call And give a hell till it's frozen No, I ain't never ran from nothing I ain't never ran from nothing but the police I ain't never ran from nothing but the police I ain't never ran from nothing but the police From the city where the skinny kept strong heat Northside Long Beach Northside Long Beach?